0: 10.10, 10, where Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy, but I've come that you would have life. Not just life, but you would have it in abundance, you would have a quality of life. And we went back in the Old Testament, we looked at Deuteronomy chapter 30, where God outlines before Israel, if you obey me, these are all the consequences of obedience, this is what your world can look like. And if you disobey me, these are the consequences of what your world will look like. And it begins in 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 Deuteronomy 28. You can read where God outlines the what He calls the blessings and the curses. I mean, that gives us a hint in itself. When God links life with with something blessing, you you just you assume that those two things are good. They're both. And when He links cursing with death, it's just a basic assumption that that must be a bad thing. That must not be the place that He wants us to hang around. And He paints this picture of what a blessed life looks like and he paints a picture of what the opposite type of life looks like and he lays it out before the children of Israel but then he says this amazing word he says to them you choose you choose all I can do is make the opportunity available all I can do is paint your picture all I can do is tell you that this is what this kind of life will look like for you and this is what this kind of life will look like for you but at the end of the day it's your choice God will never transgress your free will. God will never transgress my free will. And the Lord lays out an invitation to us and says, live this way. These will be a little bit like our children when we raise our children. <laughs> How many of you have ever uh used the the uh opportunity of consequence as a means by which to get your children to perhaps see your point of view so that they would perhaps choose life in that moment. You know? If you clean your bedroom, then guess what, this afternoon you can go and kick a soccer ball with your mates. If you don't clean your bedroom, this afternoon, while they're kicking a soccer ball, you'll be cleaning your room. There's a consequence to every action. If you do the right thing, there's a consequence. That consequence generally leads to life. Doesn't it, Jordan? Leads to life. If you choose this action, the consequence will invariably lead to some form of death in some way, shape, or form, or some area Of your life. The interesting thing about that is you can picture Jesus speaking to a bunch of people saying, I've come to give you life. In other words, you don't have something, but I've come to give it to you. Now, these people are there. They're living. They've got blood flowing through their brains. They're breathing oxygen. For all intents and purposes, they're technically alive. But no, not according to God. You see, God sees a big difference between existence and living. And this is what Jesus was saying to them, I've come to give you a quality of life that is beyond just human existence. I've come to give you something that you can't have apart from a relationship with me. You can't have that quality of existence. And we know if it can't happen apart from relationship with him, then he's not talking about cars and houses and money and popularity and relationships. He's talking about a quality of life that begins on the inside when our spirit gets reborn and we reconnect with God. Amen? That's the type of life that he's talking about. And he throws out this invitation. And last week we decided to have a bit of a look at this issue of life, but I won't go over it. Um, if you weren't here and you didn't hear it, um, apparently we've got, we have a, what do you call it? Um, iTunes podcast. podcast the church so this is what I mean Luke should get he should be getting paid millions this bloke the things he can do if you go on to iTunes and type in Arise Church uh, Ganelabar Lismore Arise Church Lismore you'll find we've got our own little page there on iTunes and you can listen to the messages so I encourage you get a hold of last week's one and have a bit of a listen to it because it'll gives you a bit of a foundation into today so last week we looked at what life was and you know what life really is It's the opportunity to become fully human. That's what it is. It's the opportunity that God gives to us to become fully human. You know, many of us are damaged and beaten down and battered and things have happened and all sorts of stuff comes against us. A lot of it comes against us before we're even conceived and born. And we've got to fight our way through all this muck and mess and rubbish and so on and, and God in His grace leads us down paths of healing and restoration and, and, and you know, sometimes, sometimes things happen and there is no healing and there is no restoration. But He gives us the grace to just let it go and move forward anyway. So that we're still making progress. The whole thing is we're designed to become fully human. That's what God is doing with us. He's getting us to a place where we become fully human, the way that humans are meant to be, so that we can have an abundant life and not just a human existence. And in Deuteronomy, God lays out these things and he says, choose. And we had a look at last week. Life is about choices. There's several other things we want to cover, but last week we started to look at this area of choice. Life is about choices. Every day you make them. Countless numbers, numerous amounts of choices. And we began to look at that and unpack what that looks like a little bit last week. There are three major areas where we make choices in life. The first is in the area of our actions, the things that we do. And last week, we looked at a few different things and sort of danced around this whole area of actions. And we've all... Aware of consequences, we're all aware that do this, this happens; do that, then yeah. The Bible is actually a book full of consequences. Most of the times when God communicates with people, He says, "Do this, this will happen. Don't do this, this will happen." It's cause and effect, if you want to put it that way. Consequence. It all comes back to choices. It always comes back to the responsibility being with you. What will you choose to do? What action will you choose to take? Um, So we talked a little bit about actions last week and a little bit about how our choices and our actions and the impact that it has, how it can bring life or death into any area of your world that you make those choices. You know, if you choose to, to treat the people in your world well, it will bring life into those relationships. If you choose to disrespect people, if you choose to treat people with contempt, if you choose to treat people in a negative light, it will breed death into that relationship. You'll only treat people bad for so long before eventually that relationship will be dissolved. It won't exist anymore. But you treat people right and you bring life into those relationships. We all have those sort of relationships. We all have people in our world that when you get with them, you know that they deposit life into that relationship. But we all know people that they just deposit death into your relationship. They're not the people you're ringing up to come around for barbecues. They're not the people you're wanting to spend your time with. They're not the people you're wanting to invite to your birthday party. Because they bring death into that realm of your life, but we don't need that. We weren't made for that. We want life. Now what we choose to put into our bodies, what we choose to eat, what we choose to drink, brings life or death to us. We're a very well-educated generation now when it comes to disease and sickness and don't have this and don't have that, and you know, apparently you can't eat or drink anything. But there is a lot of wisdom in a lot of what, what is, is being said in science and so on. Do you know what? Accidents happen because people choose to consume alcohol beyond the point where they should. They make a choice. You know, We live in a world where uh, we take away personal choice. Isn't that right? Personal choice, it's, it's never your fault anymore. Nothing, you know, did you know that? Let me set you free this morning. Nothing's your fault. There you go. Nothing's your fault. I could fill this church if I started preaching like that. Nothing's your fault. Everything's somebody else. I wasn't breastfed as a child. That's why I carry on the way I do. My nappy was only changed once a day. Man. That's why I stole that million dollars from the bank. It's, it's. I've got this subconscious nappy fetish and I just want to buy all the nappies in the world. It's not my fault. It's somebody else's fault. Everything's somebody else's fault. How many of you know as believers, we should be the most responsible people on planet Earth? We should take responsibility for our life. We should be able to sit back and go, no, 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 I need to take responsibility, okay? Like we've talked about, I can't stop a lot of things that have happened and a lot of things that have gone on aren't, might not have been my fault, but I have a responsibility as to what I do with them and how I go forward with the things that have happened. It comes back to my choice. you know. Oh, by the way, I'm not saying go vegetarian and you shouldn't eat meat and all that sort of stuff, but I am saying you should be wise about what you put in your body. I'm, I, I like what John Cleese once said. He said, if God didn't want me to eat animals, he wouldn't have made them out of meat. I agree with that. Um, but, you know... Consuming too much food, obesity. Obesity is a massive problem in the United States and a massive problem in Australia. Obesity is, is, is in the top two or three killers, takers of human life. It can be linked to different problems with obesity. What's obesity? Well, it can be glandular problems. I'm not having any saying anything against people who have medical things. But you know what? Some people just don't know when to stop eating. They just keep eating and eating and eating. It's a choice. Stop eating. Exercise. What you do with your body will bring life or death into that body. Do you exercise? Do you do anything with your body? Do you go for walks? You know? Do you, do you still, do you use the remote control? Or do you get up and turn the knob on? Oh, he can't. There's no knobs on TVs anymore, is there? Oh, forget that one. Bad example. Do you get up and go to the fridge? Or do you keep an esky next to your chair while you're watching the cricket so you don't have to move? You know? What we do, our actions, bring life or death to different areas of our life. What you look at, what you allow yourself to see, will bring life or death into your world. How many of you know that? Several years ago, uh, when I was working with another church, me and the senior minister had uh, an opportunity to go down to Melbourne. We used to go down to Melbourne once a year to a preaching class with a a guy that came out of um, Fuller Theological Seminary in in, in America. He would come out here and run a three-day preaching class. It was a fantastic... Uh, opportunity to learn and 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 so on and we would go along to this preaching class and I remember the first time we went down there we got there early in the day and there was nothing to do so we said let's go out for lunch so we went out we had a lovely lunch somewhere and we walked out of the restaurant and there was a cinema we had a few hours to kill we said let's go to a movie fantastic what will we see and we looked at all the movies and none of us knew what any of the movies were and then he saw one and it it read the review and said it was a comedy so he went no worries let's go see Borat anyone see Borat? I am not recommending the film. Please don't see it. The sight of Sasha Baron Cohen in a bright purple mankini. It brought instant death into my life. It's been years and years trying to get that image out of my head. But what you allow yourself to see can bring life or death into your world. Watching Vic dancing up a storm at the bowling club the other night filled my heart with joy. It was wonderful. It brought life into me. I'll guarantee Vic watching me dance would have probably done the opposite. But you know what you allow yourself to see brings life or death. You know the TV shows you watch, the stuff you filter into your head, the stuff you let into your world, the stuff you listen to, the stuff you listen to can bring life or death into your world. You know I used to have this problem years and years and years ago till a very uh, wise human being pointed something out to me once. I went to him one day and I said, I'm so sick of people coming to me and whinging about everybody else to me. Everybody wants to, oh, and I just want to talk to you because, you know, you'll understand. And, oh, you know what, I'm really struggling with this person over here and I don't know what da, 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 da. And I went to him, I said, I don't know what to do. What do you come? to Deep down inside, I was pretty proud of the fact that everybody wants to talk to me about this. It's Pretty good. And this wise gentleman sat me down and looked me in the eye and said, you know why they do it, Al? I said, why? He said, because you listen. Oh. I was happy to sit there and listen to them slandering other people and talking bad about other people. Why did they come to me? Because I listened. And what did it do? It slowly produced death in my life. To the point where I'm sitting down one day with this, this pastor going, why do people do this? Why do they keep coming to me? What you listen to will bring life or death into your world. The second area where we make choices every day, and I want to focus on this today, is the area of our attitudes. We make choices every day with our actions. And we make choices every day in the area of our attitudes. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, bear with me, because you might not, you're probably thinking, what has this got to do with attitudes? Well, it has everything to do with attitudes. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, we've got the story of the armies of Israel. And the Philistines are encamped against them, and they're going out to war, and Saul's the king. And they're going to take on the Philistines, and the Philistines have this fairly tall, robust, solid human being. That's the point where, Pat, you say you're a bit like yourself, Al. No? And his name was Goliath. And the Bible says that Goliath stood there and he taunted the armies of Israel. He said, come on, someone take me on. If you take me on and you beat me, my whole nation will become servants of your people. But if I beat you, then you will all become servants of my nation. And Goliath's taunting them. That's okay. That's good, mate. That's good. (laughs) It's all good. And Goliath taunts these people in the armies of Israel. The Bible says that they were afraid. It says that they were scared. They were dismayed and greatly afraid. In 1 Samuel 17, verse 11, When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Go over to verse 24. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. Here's the armies of the living God, apparently, fearful, running, scared, cowardice, from this big unit called Goliath. And then along comes this little shepherd boy with his plastic bag, with his Vegemite sandwiches and his chocolate milk for his brothers, skipping along. What's all this fuss? What's going on? He sees this big unit standing there, this big guy mouthing off, being lippy. And he says in verse 26, Then David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach of Israel? Watch this. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he thinks he can defy the armies of the living God? The armies of the living God are running in fear. They're cowering. They're impressed with how big this problem is. They're impressed with how big this man mountain is. They're afraid of him. And along comes David. And David looks at him and goes, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he defies the armies of the living God? The armies of the living God are scared. And David walks into the situation and he sees something different. The armies of Israel saw a massive problem. They saw a giant. And based on what they saw, they developed an attitude. How many of you know, your attitude reflects your perspective. Your attitude is a direct reflection of the way you're looking at a situation or a problem. It will determine everything, your perspective. And the armies of Israel are looking and all they're seeing is a guy bigger than us physically. A guy stronger than us physically. A guy that's verbally taunting us and putting terror and fear into our hearts. That's what they're seeing. David comes along. David looks at the same situation. He's faced with the same problem. He's looking at the same thing they're looking at. And his instant reaction is, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? In other words, who is this guy that has no covenant relationship with the living God? that he would stand against us, the people that have a covenant relationship with the living. Who does he think he is? This makes no sense. How can this guy who doesn't have relationship with God like we do, who doesn't have the living God on his side like we do, how can he stand there and think that he's going to beat the armies of the living God who have the living God? It just made no sense to him because he looked at it from a totally different perspective to the rest of Israel. And out of that perspective, he had a positive attitude about the situation and about the outcome. The children of Israel, out of their their perspective, gathered a negative uh, perspective, had a negative attitude. They were defeated. They were victims. David saw himself as a victor. Israel saw a problem too big to overcome. David saw a problem too big to miss. It's a target. How can I miss this guy? Look at the size of his head. Look at the size of him. And we all know the rest of the story. You know, you would have thought that maybe they might have learnt their lesson if you go back to Numbers chapter 13. Moses is dead. The children of Israel are about to cross the promised land. Joshua sends 12 spies into the land. What do they do? They go in. They look at the same situations. They look at the same circumstances. They see the same nation. They see the same armies. They see the same fortified cities. They see the same fruit. They come back and 10 of them go, it's exactly like God said, but the walls are big. The giants are there. We're grasshoppers. Their grasshopper attitude was simply something that came out of their perspective of the situation. That's how they saw themselves based on how they saw the opposition, the problem, the situation. And again, they got this defeated mentality. All these people didn't make it across. Caleb and Joshua, however, stood up and said, you know what? We've seen the same thing. But hey, God's with us. We can, we're, thanks, he said, we are well able to overcome it. We can do this. We can get 10 people. Looking at it from one perspective. Two people looking at it from another perspective. Both of them developed different attitudes. One was an attitude of victory. One was an attitude of defeat. And it all came back to the way they looked at the problem. The perspective they had. Because your perspective will dictate and determine your attitude. You know how sometimes we're here talking about attitudes it's just a case of change your attitude, change your attitude. You can't change your attitude until you learn to change your perspective. Then your attitude will follow. We've got to learn to change our perspective about the situations we find ourselves in in life. Who remembers years ago, Steve Irwin, before he, he tragically passed away, when his little baby was born? Do you Remember that? Little baby George. Is it George? Bob. Little Bob. And do you remember the scene where he held Bob out and he was feeding the crocodile? Who remembers that? It went nuts all over TV. Do you remember that? He was getting hammered. He was getting put down. You're a bad father. You're this, you're that. Because there was a camera angle that made it look literally like that's the crocodile, I'm standing here. That's what it looked like on this particular camera angle. You know what happened? I don't know if you saw it. About seven days later, he went on, I think it was a current affair. And he showed some other camera angles from people that happened to be there filming it at the time. And when you saw the other camera angles, he was about this far away from the crocodile. He had Bob turn to the side like that and he was reaching out this far away. When nations saw this other camera angle, the whole tide of popular opinion turned and everybody loved Steve Irwin all of a sudden again. Why? Because of a change of a camera angle. A change of a camera angle which changed people's perspective. It changed the way they looked at and the way they saw a certain situation. And this is what we need to learn to do. We need to learn to change our perspectives on situations that you think are snowing you under. On things that you think you can't overcome. Are things that you think you're being defeated by? Things that you think there's no way out of? Change your perspective. Change your perspective, you'll change your attitude, and a positive attitude is a healthy attitude. You know who should? Be, you know the church should be the most positive organization in the world. Amen. We should be the most positive group of, and I'm not talking some fake, hyper faith positivity where we deny the existence of problems. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about our perspective on life our perspective on situations and circumstances. If we live with an eternal perspective, if we live with a knowledge that doesn't matter what my life looks like, God is with me. It doesn't matter what I'm facing right now, I don't walk through this valley of the shadow of death alone. I have God by my side. I have a community of people around me called the church that will pray with me, that will stand with me, that will believe with me, that will hopefully love me that will support me, that will cry with me, that will laugh with me. I mean, we should be a very positive organisation. We should be positive people. A few years ago, uh, just down the hill there at Dan Murphy's, I was at work one day and I remember a woman came in and she had uh, her uh, uh, purse and it had a lot of money in it. She had over $1,000 in cash in her purse and cards and everything like that. She came in the shop and she was looking around some products and bought some stuff and anyway, went up to the register and went to pay for it and realised... Oh, I've, I've lost my purse. It's not on me. It's in the shop somewhere. I put it down somewhere, and I can't find it. This woman went into an instant panic. She started wailing in the middle of the shop, crying uh, because the money was given to her by my, I think it was her husband's uh, business, and she was buying some drinks for them for a, a, a break-up party or something. Anyway, she was a mess. She was shaking, and, and I, I ended up. I had to go to and go look. Just they can't. What I'm going to do is I'll get all my staff together and as a team we're going to search the shop, we're going to see if we can find I'm not thinking we're going to find it, by the way. It's very, very busy. It's a packed bottle shop. A wallet with a thousand dollars isn't going to last long in the in the sort of crowd that we have sometimes hanging around there. Anyway, I walk around the shop and we can't find, we can't find I'm praying. God, if it's here, please let us find it, because I I just need to calm this lady down or I'm going to have a medical emergency as well as a, a lost purse. So I'm looking around and I go over to where the trolleys are in the trolley bay and Someone's pushed a trolley in and there's this black thing in the middle. I pull all the trolleys out and there's her purse. She's left the purse in a trolley. I walked over to her. I said, hey, hey, I've got it, I've got it. I gave her the purse. She burst into more tears, wrapped her arms around me. She's an older lady. Started sobbing uncontrollably. And she made this statement to me. She said, this has been the worst day of my life. This has been the worst day of my life. And I said to her, well, hang on. Depends how you look at it. And she stopped crying and she looked up at me and said, what do you mean? I said, well, how many people do you think today are going to lose a wallet with all the credit cards, $1,000 cash in it, in a busy, crowded bottle shop like this, and are going to find it? With the $1,000 in it, with the credit cards in it, be, depends on how you want to look at it. You can say this is the worst day of your life from what I'm looking at right now, this is one of the best days you've ever had. She started smiling, it changed her whole perspective and her whole outlook on the day. It depends on how you want to look at a situation. Depends on what you want to see. What you look at, you'll see. If you're looking for problems, problem, you'll see them. If you're looking for solutions, you'll see them. If you're looking for things to drag you down, you'll see them. If you want to find things to pick you up, you'll see them. If you don't want to find a way out of a problem, guess what? You won't find it. It's as simple as that. You can stay there, stuck in it controlled by it. But if you want to find solutions and answers, guess what? You can find them. You can see them. There's always a positive somewhere. Somewhere there's always a positive perspective that we can look at. A positive attitude does not deny the existence of problems. What it does is it denies the problem the right to control you. It denies the problem the right to control you. It puts you in control of the problem, puts you back in the box. seat. Winston Churchill, I seem to be using him a lot today, I don't know why. He said this once, he said, a pessimist sees the difficulty in every opportunity, an optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty. I like that one too. I don't know if everything you said was the smartest the couple of comments we've used today, but I really like those too. A pessimist sees the difficulty in every opportunity, and an optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty. I was reading a, a study uh, recently about positive attitudes and negative attitudes and the impact that it has on people. Now, there's an interesting thing happens. They There was a study came out of the US and the way they described it was this. They said, imagine that you were walking through the woods and a grizzly bear jumped out in front of you. If you are a person that has bent themselves towards negative attitudes in life, what happens in your brain is that your brain's vision narrows in to the point where all you see is the bear, you can't see anything else, and you instantly feel like, that's it, I'm gone, the bear's going to get me, there's no way out. He said, if you are a person who through virtue of your life have trained yourself to find positives and have a positive mentality and a positive outlook on life, what happens is your brain, when the bear jumps out in front of it, he said, your brain's eye vision widens. And you see a tree over here that I can climb up, A stick over here I can grab to try to defend myself. Perhaps a cliff over here I can jump off to get away. But it's amazing. People with positive attitudes, when you train yourself to find positive, and it comes back to a choice. It comes back to choices. When we train ourselves to find the positive, it has an impact on the way our brain functions. Our brain then goes, this is the type of person we are, and we start looking for solutions. When we stay pessimistic, when we're always looking for the negatives, when we're not trying to have a positive attitude but we lean towards a negative attitude, our brain literally works with that and shuts down its vision and can't see the solutions. You get to a point where eventually you don't really have much of a choice because your natural bent is always negative, negative. And it's because you've trained your brain that way. We've trained ourselves to be that way. You might be sitting here today and you might be able to, you might seriously think I'm the most negative person in the world. You can change. You can change. You weren't born. God didn't create you in your mother's womb and flick a switch in your brain to go, well, you'll be a positive person. I want you to be a negative person because it brings balance to the universe. It's not about the force. You want to love Star Wars? We're not talking about the, the force and the balance here. God didn't create us to have negative uh, events inside of us so that we would be people who instantly go to the pessimistic and to the negative and to the bad attitude. God didn't create us that way. Life shaped and changed and challenged and chipped away and so on and we ended up going this way but we can change. You can become a positive person with a positive attitude. You can do it. You can do it. It's possible because it comes back to choices. That other story with the bear reminded me, I don't know if you've ever heard the the story about the the bear and the atheist walking through the woods. Um, The atheist was taking a walk through the woods. What majestic trees, what powerful rivers, what beautiful animals he said to himself. As he continued walking along the river, he heard a rustling in the bushes. Turning to the look, turning to look, he saw a seven-foot grizzly bear charging towards him. He ran as fast as he could up the path. Looking over his shoulder, he saw the bear was chase was closing in on him. His heart was pumping frantically. He tried to run even faster. He tripped and fell on the ground. He rolled over to pick himself up but saw the bear raising his paw to take a swipe at him. In that instant, the atheist cried out, "Oh my God!" Time stopped. The bear froze. The forest went silent. It was then that a bright light shone upon the man and a voice came out of the sky, saying, you deny my existence for all these years, teach others I don't exist, and even create creation to a cosmic accident. Do you expect me to help you out of this predicament? Am I to count you as a believer? The atheist looked directly into the light. It would be hypocritical of me to suddenly ask you to treat me as a Christian. But perhaps you could make the bear a Christian. (laughs) Very well, said the voice. The light went out and the sound of the forest resumed. The bear lowered his paw, bowed his head and spoke. For what I'm about to receive, may the Lord make me truly grateful. Amen. That's a positive outcome. He stuck to his values. I came across this letter one day, written by a a, a lady, about her world and her family. I thought I'd read it out this morning. It's a prayer to God. She says, thank you, dear Lord. Thank you for this sink of dirty dishes. We have plenty of food to eat. Thank you for this pile of dirty, stinky laundry. We have plenty of nice clothes, to wear. And I would like to thank you, Lord, for those unmade beds. They were so warm and comfortable last night. And I know that many have no beds. My thanks to you, Lord, for this bathroom, complete with all the splattered, messy, soggy, grimy towels and the dirty lavatory. They are so convenient. Even though I clutch my blanket and growl when the alarm rings, thank you, Lord, that I can hear. There are many who are deaf. Even though I keep my eyes closed against the morning light as long as possible, thank you, Lord, that I can see many are blind. Even though I huddle in my bed and put off rising, thank you, Lord, that I have the strength to rise. There are many who are bedridden. Even though the first hour of my day is hectic, when socks are lost, toast is burnt, and tempers are short, and my children are so loud, thank you, Lord, for my family there are many who are lonely. Even though our breakfast table never looks like the picture in a magazine and the menu is at times not balanced, thank you, Lord, for the food we have. There are many who are hungry. Even though the routine of my job is often monotonous, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to work. There are many who have no jobs. Even though I grumble and bemoan my fate from day to day and wish my circumstances were not so modest, thank you, Lord, for life. What a great perspective. You now it doesn't matter what we go through. It doesn't matter what situations we face, what circumstances we find ourselves in. There's always positive. There's always a way to turn negative feelings, negative emotions into something positive. There's always a way to do it. It reminds me of a group of senior citizens who were chatting over coffee one day. My arms are so weak, I can barely lift the coffee cup, said one. I know what you mean, my cataracts are so bad, I can't even see my coffee cup, said the other. I can't turn my head because of the arthritis in my neck, said one lady. I can't bend my left knee, said a man. My blood pressure pills make me feel dizzy, said another one. Ever since my stroke, my hands tremble, said another. There was a moment's pause and someone said, well, at least we can all still drive. <laughs> Find the positive. Viktor Frankl, anyone ever heard of Viktor Frankl? He's was a Holocaust survivor, wrote a couple of great books. One um, Man's Search for Meaning, a fantastic book. I've got a copy at home. He made a statement once. He was a A holocaust survivor his perspective on time in the concentration camps is very interesting if you get a chance to read the book, the things that he learnt about human behaviour and so on. He made this statement he said everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of human freedom the freedom to choose one's attitude in any given circumstance the freedom to choose one's attitude in any given circumstance I can treat you bad I could do the worst thing to do. I could call you all sorts of names. I could put you in, 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 in difficult situations and positions and circumstances in life. I, can, I could do that. If I had the parent authority, I could do that. But one thing I could not control is your ability to respond to that. The attitude that you have to the things that have happened is in your court. That's why I say, as a church, we should be the most responsible group on the planet. Because we take responsibility for our lives, and we take responsibility for our actions, we also take responsibility for our reactions to different stimuli and different things that happen in the world around us. Nobody can take away your freedom to choose your attitude. It comes back to you. Here's a list of some of the practical tangible benefits of a positive attitude. These have all come out of science journals and psychology journals and so on. I just thought I'd grab a list of some practical ones that probably impact us every day. Number one, positive people live longer. It's a scientific fact that positive people live longer. There's something about a positive attitude that relieves stress, that relieves tensions and a lot of things that chip away at our human body and chip away uh, at who we are. Positive people live longer. Positive people have more friends. I mean, that's a no-brainer, isn't it? Who wants to be friends with Eeyore? Huh? You know Eeyore out of uh, Winnie the Pooh? Doesn't matter what's going on. Rabbit's bouncing around. Oh, it's a wonderful day. isn't it, Winnie. It's a wonderful day. And Eeyore, oh uh, yeah, but you know, the sky's going to fall in eventually. Uh... Eeyore, I've got a couple of friends. I've actually got a couple of mates that me and Jackie call them Eeyore. No one's in this church, by the way, but we've got people and we call them Eeyore because that's what they remind us of. Positive people have more friends. Positive people have a greater resistance to the common cold and flu. Did you know that? Scientific studies have found that people with positive attitudes have a better and stronger immune system than people with negative attitudes. Proverbs 17.22 says this, A merry heart does good like a medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. In actual Hebrew, it literally means medicine. It means a, a, a tonic, a potion. A happy heart, a positive attitude, is like medicine to your body. It releases endorphins. It releases chemicals and things into your body that are good for your immune system. So why would you choose a negative attitude? Why would you choose to be that negative, critical person? All you're doing is hurting yourself. Positive people have lower cholesterol. Positive people have lower cholesterol. It's a fact, a medical fact. People with, with positive attitudes, it releases certain chemicals into your body that produces what they call good cholesterol. Did you know that? I love that. I've stopped exercising since I learned that. i am just being happy. I eat whatever I want. I don't run. I'll just be happy. I'll lose weight. Positive people have a reduced risk of death from cardiovascular disease. Positive people have better coping skills during hardships and times of stress or depression. Positive people deal better with difficulties of life. Here's one for those who are married. Marriages with a five-to-one ratio of positive to negative are more likely to succeed, but when it approaches one-to-one, they're more likely to end in divorce. That's interesting. Five to one, positive to negative. Now something that reveals to me is that negative attitudes somehow seem to come across more stronger than the positive attitude. You need a five to one to balance it out. You ever been in a room and everybody's laughing and having a great time and everyone can see the, the bright side of it? And one person only has to make one negative critical comment and it just kills the entire atmosphere. Have you ever been in that situation? Everyone's enjoying themselves. Maybe it's a family gathering and one person wants to bring in one negative critical. And, they, and you know what happens? You know why? Because it, it, there's a spiritual component to it. The whole environment, the whole atmosphere changes. Boom, it's dead. Because of one critical negative thing. I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be that person. I want to be the positive person. I want to be able to find the positives in life. Let me tell you something. Did you know God is like this? Did you know that God the Father is positive? Did you know God the Father has a good attitude? If he wasn't positive and he didn't have a good attitude, why the heck did he pick any of us? You've got to have a good attitude and you've got to be able to find the positives. If the Lord can grab me and try to make me something useful, he must have had a very positive attitude when he saw me back in the day. And a sense of humour, yeah. But for God to take you and the person that you were and look at you and see a hope and a future and look at you and see potential and look at you and see a place where he wants to send his spirit to reside, he must have some sort of a positive outlook on life. He must be able to see things in you that other human beings can't. That's a positive attitude. That's what a positive attitude does. It sees things that other people might not see as naturally. It looks for the good. God looks for the good in us. God is a positive God. He has a bent towards positivity. And so should we as his people. So what do we do? We can sit here and we can talk all we want about positive attitudes, negative attitudes, critical attitudes, and so on. What do we do if we suddenly look at ourselves and go, you know what, I can see that all I'm doing is hurting myself. I can see that all I'm doing is hurting the people around me. I can see that my negative attitudes are having a bad impact. So what do I do about that? How do we change? There's a couple of real simple things that I can see that can help us to change. And it's not this one. David received a parrot for his birthday. The parrot was fully grown with a bad attitude and a worse vocabulary. Every other word was an expletive. Those that weren't expletives were, to say the least, rude. David tried hard to change the bird's attitude and was constantly saying polite words, playing soft music and doing anything he could to try to think to set a good example. Nothing worked. He yelled at the bird and the bird got worse. He shook the bird and the bird got angry and more rude. Finally, in a moment of desperation, David put the parrot in the freezer for a few moments. He heard the bird squawking, kicking and screaming and then suddenly there was quiet. David was frightened that he might have actually hurt the bird and quickly opened the freezer door. The parrot. Calmly stepped out onto David's extended arm and said, I'm sorry that I might have offended you with my language and actions, and I ask your forgiveness. I will endeavour to correct my behaviour from this moment on. David was astounded at the bird's change in attitude and was just about to ask what had made such a drastic change when the parent continued, May I ask you, what did the chicken do? Think about it. May I ask, what did the chicken do? Okay. So what do we do? What do we do if we can see areas of our world with a negative attitude and the impact it's having? Here's what we do. First thing we do is we thank the Lord for allowing you to see it. You know, there are a lot of people out there who are negative and they can't see it. They literally can't see it. If you can see that about yourself, the first thing you do is you thank God for allowing you to see it. I've got this smoothie maker at home. It's a, it's a cup thing that I bought years ago and you can put um, smoothie stuff in it and you put the lid on, you shake it. I used to take it to work. But what I realised was the lid is a bit funny and when you don't, if you couldn't get the lid on properly and it happened to me quite a few times and I'd start shaking and before you know it, smoothies going everywhere. You know Why was smoothie going everywhere? Well, I could blame the lid. I could say it's because the lid wasn't on. I could blame the hand that tightened the lid or maybe smoothie came out because smoothie is what was in there. Whatever's in there is going to come out. I can blame the lid, I can blame the shot. but what comes out is whatever's in there. And if I find myself in those situations, that negativity comes out, that bad attitude comes out, it's only coming out because it's already residing in there. So God, thank you for allowing me to see it. Lord, thank you for allowing me to become aware. You know, the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things. I only know myself to a certain point, and we've all got to be humble enough to admit that. You only know yourself to a certain point. God knows stuff about us that we don't know yet. In His grace and mercy, He shields us from certain things. And in His grace and mercy, at the right and appropriate times, He'll open our eyes up to just catch a little glimpse. And then He'll go, now let's work on this. Let's work together, you and me. Because He's a gracious, loving God. And it's part of the process of becoming fully human. So the first thing we do is that we thank the Lord for allowing us to see it. The second thing we do is that we then take it back to Him. And we pray it away. What do you think the psalms are? How many psalms begin with, enemies are all around me, they're encamping around me, life sucks, I've got this problem, everyone hates me, I'm going to go and eat worms. And then as he goes on, it changes. But Lord, you're with me, and you're on my side, and by the end of it, it's praise God is the king of the universe. Do I believe David did this. I believe that David had moments like this, and he would pick up his harp, and he would sing a tune, or he would Write down a psalm or whatever it is. And he would pour his heart out to the Lord. God, this is how I'm feeling. Oh, oh, this has come out of me. All of a sudden I realise I feel like I'm trapped. I know I'm not because God is with but I feel like I'm trapped. I feel like, I'm... And he would pray it out to the Lord and he would give it to God and would allow God to help exchange that perspective. When we bring God into things, it changes everything, even though it might not have changed anything. It changes everything. So if you see those negative attitudes, those negative things popping up every now and then in your life, thank the Lord for them. Secondly, pray them away. Get before God and give them to Him. And thirdly, you need to make a choice to change. You need to make the choice to change. Everything comes back to choice. Don't just throw it up there and say, well, God, if you want me to be a positive person, Lord, you just make me one. You know, Lord, if you want me to you know, lose weight, God, you just make me lose weight. If you want me to be fit, God, you just, just touch me by your Spirit and make me fit, Lord Jesus. you want me to, to, to love my wife, then Jesus, touch me by your Spirit and just come upon me and make me love my wife. Still. Doesn't that come back to choices? It comes back to choices. Make the choice that you're not content to be a negative person. Make the choice that you want to be a positive person for your own health benefits, for the benefits of your relationships, for the benefit of yourself, for the benefit of the world. Please, adopt and choose positive attitudes. I got my daughter, me and Jackie bought our daughter a little snap, uh, what do you call them? Snap, snap. Where's Chloe? Is Chloe here? What's your camera called, darling? Instax, Instax. Anyone seen an Instax? Now, remember the old Polaroid cameras? You press a button and the picture actually came out. You could look straight away. You could get your photo right away. You could look at the picture and go, wow, did my hair really like that? Well, we bought my daughter one of those. We got her one for Christmas. They're little Instax. They take pictures and so on. The Polaroid picture. I want to give you, as we close today, a Polaroid picture. A Polaroid picture that will help you on your journey towards becoming a more positive person, to adopting a more positive outlook in life. I want to give you a Polaroid snap. comes from a book called The Bible. Comes from a book in the Bible called Philippians, chapter 4 and verse 8. It says this, it says, finally, brothers, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate, on these things. Think about these things. Whatever situation you find yourself in, you're going to meditate on something. You're going to adopt the camera angle and stare at it from a certain perspective. And God's saying, stare at it from this perspective. Meditate on these things. You fill your brain with those things. You get in a situation, you look for that in that situation. Find that. Wherever you can see that from that's your camera angle. Meditate on that stuff. Begin to develop a more positive and a more godly outlook. Amen? Father, we just thank you this morning, Lord, that you are a positive God. We thank you, uh, Father, that you... Uh, when you look at us, God, that's how you look at us, God. You look at uh, true, noble, virtuous, trustworthy God. You, you, you see us, Father, and even though there are many, many camera angles you could look at, that would be uh, negative, God. There's many days and many opportunities i'm sure we will give you the chance to have a really bad attitude with us but father you choose to look at us a certain way you make choices to see the positive you make choices to work with us and to take us on from glory to glory and father we pray god that you would uh lord reveal to us any areas of our own hearts where we have allowed negative attitudes to creep in whether it be about church god whether it be about our our spouse our family our employment god our job our life where we live father God, we pray by your spirit, Father, you would gently open up the eyes of our heart and let us see those areas and help us, God, to make those changes. Encourage us and strengthen us to make the positive choices that we need to make to be all that you have called us to be in this world, Father. And Lord, I just pray for the rest of this week, God, as we go out, that you would use us, Father, to uh, touch the world around us, God. Give us opportunities to share the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus with those around us, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless. Have a good week.